From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio this morning. We're going to talk to Jeffrey Wright here coming up in uh, five, ten minutes, something like that. Also, I know a, a lot of message board discussion about uh, how interest rates affect mortgage rates. We're going to talk with uh, Community Mortgage's Jason Lowe for just a second later in the podcast to uh, explain some of that uh, coming up. We've got a, actually a lot of kind of irons in the fire right now, stuff bouncing around everywhere from a guest standpoint. So uh, those two coming up today. And uh, more on the MPW Digital Network. There is a uh, there is a uh, Ben Ingram beer garden up on yep. uh, on the site. I'm assuming on everybody's iTunes. It was on mine. Neil said it wasn't on his. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, it's still not on mine. Uh, I don't know why. It's on most people's, but it's not on mine. I have no idea why. Yeah, it's uploaded. It's there. You can find it somewhere that you would like. It's also directly in the Podbean app if you'd like. Just go grab that because that's our host site. So. You can uh you can find that that uh that Bourbon South mailbag will be up here within the next hour or so. I have it up sitting on my computer. Um, also, I'm recording with again with Mickey Calloway today, the uh, the Angels pitching coach, the former Mets manager, and as I tweeted a minute ago, someone who we all wish was doing something else other than talking to me today. Is it is uh, yes. what was supposed to have been opening day for Major League Baseball. So we get into that, get into some other stuff on the show. Today There's a show. mind on my money up as well. Okay. Um, I think I put a link up on the site, but I know it's up on iTunes because I'm looking right at it. Okay. So that and more. Uh, and the podcast brought to you here by the Oxford Exxon. Again, uh, stick around tomorrow. Got some, good, got some good announcements for the community from those guys, uh, from Ben and his team. Tomorrow, take advantage of the uh, the drive-through at the Oxford Crystal. And even at the Oxford Exxon, no better time for the Speed Pass Plus app because you can use an app and not have to touch as much stuff. You can just handle things on the app. So uh, something to definitely potentially help you during this phase that we are in. So take advantage of the Speed Pass Plus app, the Mobile Rewards Program, and more with the Oxford Exxon. Again, come to you from the Clark. Ford Studio. We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote. Within 15 minutes and business hours, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright, Jason Lowe, all guests join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Uh, As you know, there's nothing going on at Rafters right now, but at some point, eventually, perhaps, maybe, we'll get to the other side of this. And when we do, Rafters will be a great place to uh, convene and uh, watch, hopefully, sports. And um, also, they have the uh, Bluegrass Brunch every uh, Sunday, 1045. Uh, biscuits, chicken and waffles, mimosas, Bloody Marys, all of that stuff. Rafters, the people there are fantastic. They've been good to us. We would appreciate when the time comes that you're good to them. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. You said yesterday that today could be a little bit of a weird day. Uh, opening day hits you already. I know you're you're decked yeah. out in, in in baseball stuff at the moment. Actually, uh, I made the mistake of reading the New York Times this morning, and that put baseball so far out of my mind that nah, it's 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 all fine. I mean, I read where Rob Manfred saying mid May. I talked to someone yesterday who said that is so ridiculously optimistic that there's just no chance. He did admit that a 162 game schedule is now completely impossible. Which, well, that was immediate as soon as you don't start on time, though. I mean, yeah, no. yeah. They, well, they had tried to do, you know, the Scott. We didn't talk about this. As we talked about afterwards, Scott Boris in the Los Angeles Times yesterday has a plan for a 162 game schedule that ends on December the 26th. Come on, it's just not. It's not realistic. It 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 also doesn't allow for an off season. It doesn't allow for players to have a chance to heal at the end of a season. Um, the the problem for for all of these sports, not to just start out negative, the problem for all of these sports is that it's just it can't even get on the forefront until we however long this peak that we're not quite to yet. I think the the doctor at Oxford, uh, Waller, Jason Waller, said yesterday we're on the upswing of this. We've got to get through the upswing, down the downswing, and get to a place where we can start looking at things like that, where, you take, where you're not taking away critical resources from people 
fighting for their lives so that you can try to restart sports leagues. Because I think, and I've talked about this with a couple of baseball people, before you can start with a baseball season, you've got to get everybody to whatever camp they're going to be in to get started, and you've got to test everyone so that you have a baseline. And so there, there's some time involved in that. I still think realistically, best-case scenario for pro sports is probably July 1. I I kind of got here several days ago as far as I read for information, things that affect me, things that I just feel like I need to know from – you know, family members and the way this thing is trending. Are you getting to the point where reading is actually detrimental at this point? That that, that, that everything you're doing is so negative that it's frankly affecting you individually? No, no. I mean, I want to be informed. Um, and I'm a realist, you know. You know that about me. You've been around me for a long time. I don't even consider myself negative. I, I, I've never been one of these over overtly positive people. Uh, frankly, those people sort of annoy me a little bit. Um you know, I mean, I'm realistic. I look at it, and I mean, people ask, what are you thinking? You know, well, I mean, I, I do start to kind of think to myself, okay, well, what would you do if I'm a best case, worst case guy? Best case is easy for us to navigate. Worst case is people like me are looking for something new to do this fall. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've allowed myself to go there with a realistic frame of mind, and and I don't view it as being negative. I, I read I read enough to be informed. What I have stopped doing is I have stopped watching cable television. I don't view any of the cable television outlets as credible any longer. They're they're so biased. Yeah, I'm One glad. I'm other. glad that wasn't part of my routine because I never was doing it anyway. Yeah. So that just doesn't matter. I'll read four or five different publications every morning, and then I'll kind of move on with my day. But you know, I, I read I, I read the New York Times. I know everybody says, well, they're they're biased and blah blah blah. They're they're, they're reporting on the. The pandemic in New York City has been remarkably good, as you might expect. Um, I, I read, I read the Wall Street Journal some. I, I read, I read the stuff that that I view to be on topic. When they start skewing into politics and stuff, I, I, I disregard it. That is one interesting. I, t- I told somebody yesterday that the the situation is terrible for it. And so, I mean, keep it in perspective, but. More than any other time in the last ten years, we are getting some really great reporting, yeah. journalism, and, and in ways to explain and dumb things down enough without losing context. The use of graphs has been fantastic, simulations, that kind of stuff. I've, I've been very impressed with the, the the major media outlets from that standpoint. I thought yesterday, just in New York, it was remarkable how good some of the reporting was. Um, you know, they are approaching crisis level right now with uh, with the hospital beds. Uh, they had 13 people die overnight in one hospital. Had someone die in the in the waiting room waiting to get to a bed. They are uh, they're approaching a crisis point, but they also talked about, you know, all the the things that are trying to be done to help. And um, the governor there Cuomo said that um, you know, there were some there were some positive signs in in regards to the models at one point looked like cases would double every two days, and now it looks like they'll double every four days, which means that the social distancing thing that that, that is people are doing is is having a positive impact. Jeffrey, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. What's uh? I mean, we've been talking about here. I mean, there was a little uh, little news coming out of Mississippi, obviously yesterday that we'll get to in a little bit. What's what's Memphis like right now during all this? Um. That's a fascinating question. I I get the sense, and you know, we had the mayor on yesterday, and uh, we had the mayor on Jeff's show yesterday, and then my show had the city hall reporter on uh, for the commercial appeal. I am getting the growing sense. People last week were willing to try it out, and because you know, flattening the curve is not exactly the type of results that you're hoping to see. You know, if you work on a golf game and you know, maybe like you're changing your swing a little bit and you start to see, you know, you're hitting shanks and you're hitting, you know, just horrific shots. But there's that one shot on the range where it all lines up and clicks and then you you see like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. There's really not those kinds of results like you don't you don't ever have that moment where you hit the 
the pure shot where you see why you're you're making the changes. And I get the sense this week, man, like I just look out on the road. I look out and about. I think people have done the F and I'm done, you know, the whatever. Like I, and I don't even think it's necessarily, I don't even really believe that it's necessarily like, Hey man, you can't tell me what to do. I think it's panic and not from like, Oh, it's panic from, you know, what if I lose my job? And it's like all of these real questions and it, all just comes back to me from day one this entire situation has been mishandled it has the message was never clear and you know you start to look at real data for here in memphis i'm scared scared is not the right word whatever i am fearful of what the number of hospitalizations, what the number of deaths could be here in the next two or three weeks. <clears throat> how is how is your day to day different right now? How is my day to day different? Um, obviously, the the content of what I'm watching is different, but you know, uh, like Calkins' show has become basically a new show, right? Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, you know, it, it's the afternoon show. Like we are, we are making a concerted effort to not be as like Mark. Mark and I cannot do the show that Jeff can do. Like we're we're not equipped. Like you know what I mean. Like that's not our that's not our lane, if you will. That's not our skill set. Jeff is very well equipped to do this type of show, so we don't ignore it, and. But we we try to be the two-hour distraction. So, like, for instance, yesterday, we led with who are the types of the new types of characters that we have been introduced to because of coronavirus. You know, you got coronavirus tough guy. You've got the social distance resistance. Uh, you've got uh, infectious disease experts. You got the irresponsible partiers. Like we we like we're 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 not ignoring it, but we are trying to, you know, we're trying to take a different approach. What was the response to y'all's interview with me? I, I, I was, I said Memphis was going to get hammered by the NCAA, and and I, I I took the over on the Mark Cuban over under. People get mad. Not really, because I think. I think the problem is far too often people associate with those who come after you on Twitter with what the reaction is. The truth is, like, the the most informed Tiger basketball fan knows what they're up against. And I think I think everyone, when they saw Mark Cuban's date, I think everyone that I think you had one of two reactions. Number one, you were surprised. You're like, okay, you know, like that, that's not so bad. Or you were probably like, man, he just feels like he's shooting from the hip here. And I mean, I hope I he's right. Both, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I think that's the I think the appropriate response is, I hope he's right. I'm not betting that he's right. Yeah, no, I mean, God, I mean, if he's right, kudos to him. I mean, that'd be that'd be happy times if you could, it's, if you could, because he's talking about he's talking about playing games with he's talking about playing games with fans June first. I just don't even I don't practically know how that's going to be possible. It's hard to it's hard, I can, kind of hard I, to I get cannot, there. Well, I just can't see, and this is. You know, this from from my perspective, I do not see how you can play games with fans in a league where you've had so many guys test positive, and I, I can't see you bringing in eighteen thousand people or fifteen thousand people, whatever. Like I, I just cannot see that. I, I from a from a health perspective, at best, it's probably naive. At worst, it's negligible or irresponsible. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, there's no doubt about that. Neil, did you see? Uh, did you see what Ross Bjork said about? Yeah, I'm about, Chase. What did you think? What did you see? What Ross Bjork said about fans? He, he, Ross no. Bjork said it was not. What was the word, Jeffrey? It was in. He said he did not think it was. Uh, Essentially, Cliff Notes version. Ross said, "If they don't play games with fans, their business model is not sustainable." Yeah, that's right. Said that the whole I'm business model has been built around having fans. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about yeah. that. I, I, I guess me, my, my, my thought yesterday was, do you lose more money which way? That was kind of my, yeah. my simple thought was, because I mean, I'm sure there's an active God clause in the SEC network thing, so do you just not get paid from them if you don't have the games? I yeah, mean, I don't that's, know. That's 40-something million per school per now, year. I mean, I wonder what happens to the SEC network if there are no games. Well, that's at, at some point, you know, it's like us. At some point, you you you... you sort of are out of a job you're out of a thing I and mean, there's no there's nothing left um i mean ross knows far more than i do about it that's my point i would think playing the game would save more money than not playing the game he didn't say this i talked to some people at two different sec schools yesterday not Ole miss not mississippi state who said this the the problem you have if they get to and, and look most people believe that ultimately they're, they're going to be fans in the stands they don't expect sellout crowds because they frankly think there's going to be a, a segment of 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 every fan base that says I'm not ready to get out in that kind of a crowd yet. They, they think that just general residual fear is going to impact attendance throughout the league, throughout the country. But they said that, that, that there's a, it's an optics also that, that as much as you don't want to really think about it, if you say, Hey, it's safe for us to put the student athletes on the playing field against each other in a contact sport, it's safe for us to put the coaches and the medical people and all of that in the stadium. It's safe for the student athlete, but it's not safe for the student athlete's family. It's not safe for the student athlete's peers that they, you know, we all laugh at it, ha ha ha, represent the student body. It's not safe for the student body to be there. It's not it's it's not safe for you to have the traditions and stuff that are that are such a big part of college football, but it's safe for the kids to play. It's a question that at that point really becomes difficult to answer. For me, it's the biggest question is okay, like I do agree Chase that you know a you know taking, you know, getting 30% of your dollar is definitely better than getting 0% of your dollar. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't think I don't think Neil <laughs> I'm pretty sure Neil agrees with that as well. I think the things to consider, though, are, okay, well, you've signed a long-term deal with ESPN as your television partner. I can't see ESPN playing hardball with you, personally. Um, and you just, you're just signing a bigger deal with ESPN uh, that was just negotiated a couple months ago. Yeah. So, you know, and ESPN has realized that they are in the business of live sports. I find it hard to believe that in the nation's second most popular sport, college football, that they're going to that they're going to get down and dirty with uh with the number one brand in that sport. You work now, out a deal, everybody be flexible and we find a way through it for a year and we resume business as usual. Correct. And so, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, when you're going into a 20-plus year business relationship, I don't think you're going to be like, hey, you know about that, that check? Like, obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're as devastated as anyone because we want live sports on, but uh, you're not getting paid. Like, I just – and obviously, the SEC can't be like, well, we signed this deal. You owe us. Like, well, no, you didn't provide games. Like, there's going to be some type of agreement that is reached, and both parties are going to be relatively happy, and you're going to move on. I, what I just can't figure out is where are people getting. The thing that blows me away is the educated people that are acting like that. This is you know we're about you know we're right around the corner. We're you know we're we're we just got to hang on just a little bit more. Where where are they getting this from? Because, you know, you got the NHL's medical director yesterday basically saying, 
you know, whoever I, I don't know whoever is has told you that we're gonna start playing back soon. That's not true. Like I, I've noticed one theme in a lot of comments from a lot of people, uh, whether it's reported stories about the inner workings of the league or whether it's, you know, the medical professionals in the league. I've noticed that this line is in almost every story. You know, we've had to have discussions about what if there is no rest of the season. And I found that line to be a common thread in almost every single story. And that leads me to believe that one of the dominating conversations behind the scenes is what do we do if there is no season? Took a break in the podcast to tell you about in-house interior and design. 662-681-6241 is the phone number. You can text them. Whether it's something you want to get done right now, potentially, or something just for a future, and you want to get some quotes, some prices, they're offering some discounts for you that they would honor for uh, for other dates as well. So, again, 662-681-6241 is their uh is their phone number the way to contact them to just uh, spout about ideas, if nothing else, right now for them? So it's in-house interior design. That's Nikki and Ashley. They have 30 years combined experience and a lot of ways to help you. Well, there was a lot of reporting with Ken Rosenthal yesterday, who I think we all would would acknowledge is, is excellent. Uh, Decent base. Yeah, and he talked about how there's actually been some progress towards a new labor deal. You know, the labor deal with Major League Baseball expires December something of 2021, and, you know, one, this is kind of an opportunity for them to negotiate a, a long-term labor deal, and one of the things that's being negotiated, and it was kind of like what you said. I read it and went, uh-oh. One of the things that's being negotiated is, okay, how do we handle service time? The players obviously want full service time. The owners are like, yeah, but you, we didn't play. and they're no ta- time served. And so they're talking about, well, whatever you did in 2019 – We'll just say that happened in 2020 if we can work a new labor deal where we can put some of these things to rest, where we have some long-term health. We'll give you what you're looking for here if we can get some long-term assurances of whatever. And I thought, boy, if they're getting to that place, that's that's number one, it's great for them from a labor standpoint. Two, it's great for the players that – you know, a guy like Mookie Betts, a guy like Trevor Bauer, uh, you know, guys that, that are uh, a year away from free agency are, are going to be able to get to that place because that's the life-changing money that they've worked their butts off for. Um, but it also, it, you know, it also tells you that, that that conversation has gotten real. And I I think with Major League Baseball, and, and you know, I, I taped a beer garden yesterday with Ben Ingram, and he and I both sort of agreed with this, and I've heard it from other people. This probably applies to the NHL. It probably applies to the NBA. If you can't have players back practicing, if you will, whatever term you want to use for that, whether it's back to some sort of a training camp or whether it's it's you know the Grizzlies coming back to Memphis and, and, and practicing at their facility for two to three weeks to get ready, whatever the case may be, if you can't do that by about the second week of June, and again, we're still a long ways off from the second week of June. But if you can't do it by then, realistically, you can't do it. It that it, you run out of time. It's not realistic to say, "Hey, Major League Baseball, show up on July first to to camps and get ready." And what are you going to do? You going to play a sixty game season in August and then have and then crown a champion? That doesn't work. No one, no one would, no one would even take that seriously. So, I mean, I think I think these next. I think the month of April will be absolutely critical as it pertains not you know as it pertains to sports not for the fall sports but for what's left of of the spring and summer sports if you can't have real progress where there's confidence that hey we can we can kind of get this thing moving it becomes a problem and, and look Manfred came out today or it was I guess he t- said it yesterday but it's in stories today that he still thinks a, a mid-May start to the season is realistic, and and my response is from his mouth to God's ears. I mean that, not just about the sports, but if you can, and he's talking about playing with fans. By the way, he does. They don't want to. They don't want to do more than a, a, a few games without fans. They they know that that's just not what the look is. So if that happens, that means that hospitals are cleared up. That means that. We're on the other side of this, and and we all sit around and hope that there's not some second wave of um, of the coronavirus that stops things in its tracks. Is Manfred actually worse than Bud Selig? I vote yes. I don't know. I think he's different. You know, I, I was listening to a podcast about Manfred yesterday, where 
You know, they said he hasn't handled a lot of things pub- publicly very well. Is he actually smart? He does not come across as bright. Yeah, I can't speak to that. I don't know. I, well, okay, so what, are the, like, what was the general take of the podcast? Because I, 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 he does not strike me. He strikes me as someone that uh, was right place, right time, and I get it. Like, luck is what you make it, but he does not strike me as a bright individual. No, it was the the general context of it was that in the past he has always been very regimented about new ideas and 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 all of that, and and it was that now there's an acknowledgement that hey, this is different, and we're going to have to be creative if we're going to be able to do this, and um, you know, with with creative with rosters, they even they're open to the idea of playing seven inning doubleheaders. You know, and in the past, he's always been nine innings, nine innings, nine innings, nine innings, and I think most of us all are. If you're a baseball fan, you're you're kind of a traditionalist. You you want those things to happen, uh, expanding rosters. You know, the look, the players want to play as many games as they can. The more they play, the more they make. The more they the more they play, the more service time they accrue. All of those things. It's in everyone's best interest to play a lot of games. I think he's open to some of the Boris plan. You know that playing all the way into December and, and doing it at neutral sites and at warm weather sites. And, and you know, there are domes all over baseball. You know, the Rangers are, are ready to open a new stadium that has a retractable roof. Milwaukee has a retractable roof. I mean, you could play neutral whoa, site. Whoa, whoa. Don't, don't, don't gloss over the Rangers' new stadium. Like, it's the greatest power move of all time. The ballpark in Arlington was – I get it. It's you know, it's still coming up on on twenty four, twenty five years old. Still a great ballpark, but damn it, it's hot. And they just took a gangster knee and spent one point five billion to get a stadium with a roof. That's the ultimate power move. Having grown up in in a place where that was the nearest major league park, and having been to a lot of games in Arlington in June and July, I'm not going to criticize them. It's so freaking hot. It's so hot. You go to a game in Dallas at seven o'clock and it's 106 degrees. It's just brutal. No, I, I just love it though. But anyway, he was saying they could play they could play games at places like that. That you could stretch the season out into you could stretch the regular season into October. You could have playoffs in November. There's there's ideas, and he says that Manfred's open to a lot of it. You know, and the players' union is open to a lot of it. So we're going to find out about people's intelligence and flexibility and, and, and how much they're willing to, to work in the event that they get to a place where they think they can, if I'm right and the, the, the realistic starting date is July the 1st, we're, we're going to find out just how creative that they can be. And I will admit that job is a balancing job. Like when we talk about sports commissioners, like in the end, you know, silver, silver gets, you know, Silver gets praised for taking a dump. Like uh, he he is more proactive, and therefore, be, when he does stuff and he he articulates his plan well, whereas Goodell is just protecting. It feels like markets, um, and he is, you know, he keeps the owners happy, and therefore, those are the ones that are paying him. And so, you know, he's he's just you know he's basically up there just to take every punch uh, that should be probably delivered at owners. But I, I, I admit, like, I, I admit, okay, you're trying to balance your players, your talent, but the owners, like, I, I get it, but he, every time, every time I hear him talk publicly, I, I do not, I do not get a sense of, yeah, we're in good hands there with a the sport that I love. Well, we're going to find out. Because he's on the clock. Uh, if it if it comes to that, he's got to get he's got to get a lot done. One of the things that was interesting with baseball was that they're talking about moving the draft back into possibly into July and shortening it from forty rounds to ten, maybe as as few as ten rounds, because there's no way to scout anybody right now, which will have a, a trickle down effect on on uh, college baseball at least for a. At least for a year, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that look. It doesn't matter right now, right? What, what what matters today is what's happening in hospitals. But when we get over that and we start to look back, at, okay, what do we do? How do we do this? There's there's a lot of people that are going to have to make big decisions. I mean, like the college football level. If 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 we're fortunate enough to have a season, there's there's going to have to be some real flexibility with how 
the NCAA and and the different leagues manage the summer? Do you have you know, do you have OTAs? Do you restrict recruiting so that everybody can ha- kind of have OTAs? Do you do you have some standards that are there to uh, because unlike in the past several years, the kids in, in the middle of July, if, if the time frames that some people are using are correct, these kids are going to show up to campuses not in anything resembling the kind of shape that they've been in in the past few years. And you're going to have to you're, you're going to have to have a uh, kind of an incremental uh, conditioning. You know, it's hot in August and, and you can't you're not going to be able to have you're just going to be careful. There's, it's going to be. We're going to find out not just about leaders, but with coaches. We're going to find out which coaches are, are adaptable, which coaches are are smart enough to sort of figure things out and and do things over the course of several weeks that they normally took for granted because there was a, a conditioning program that was let's face it, basically year round where these guys, well, first day of, of fall camp, they were ready to go from a conditioning standpoint. This year, it's almost a certainty that if assuming there is a fall camp. Guys are not going to show up for fall camp completely ready to go. And for the record, if if my feelings on on having college football in the NFL are not known, obviously, uh, the thought of not having a fall without football is is you know it's nowhere near the thought of you know losing you know one of my parents losing a loved one whatnot. I mean, I'm not, but it's. You know, it's devastating to me personally from a business perspective. Oh, I sure. Mean, For the three of us, all the three of us and people that are like us, we would I think we would all be fools if we were not at that point sort of testing the waters and some other other areas about things you can do for a livelihood. I don't I don't that, know. I mean, I shouldn't say this out loud. I, I question I question a lot of it. I mean, talk radio, what we do for a living. How does it hold up if there's no season? There's no question. And I think. You know, just like the rest of y'all, we are, you know, right now we're working and we're thankful. Uh, you know, me and my fiance, my fiance and I both have, uh, we're still employed. So that's, that's, we, I'm, I, that's not lost on me. But I don't know, I don't know what that means, you know, six months from now. And I, I think my biggest question is, Okay, let, let's play out. Let's play out a scenario that there's not a lot of scientific evidence to support the claim. There's there's a little evidence that says maybe maybe it's possible. Let, let's play out the idea that uh, when it, it gets hot, that this virus dies down. Okay, well, what if it comes back? Uh, what if it dies down? You know, I, I'd like to think coronavirus right now it's it's going through the spring it's you know it's tearing up the sun belts tearing up CUSA it's it's making these big entrances it hadn't met mid-south heat it hadn't hit, met deep south humidity and whatnot like it'd be nice to say like okay you can, we can't we can't deal with this let's see how you deal with it like that's a fun thought but are we going to play a college football season where are we going to play a college football season where like what if what if the Pac-12 decides that school isn't open and they can't play what if you know the big 10 decides it or you know the acc or or you know one of these leagues decides they can't play it does that mean everybody can't play it well does that mean that we're gonna like uh, yeah i mean like that, that that's a huge question for me that's uh it's one of the things where, again, it didn't seem like the heat humidity is going to be a big deal. But if it is, that's actually sort of one of a bad thing because that does make it more likely to be seasonal. Whereas yeah. versus just getting through it and right. and dealing with it without not being the fact. Kind of last thing, I know you got to go in a second. New and I were discussing yesterday. He thinks he's going to be different. I think society moves back into what they were. Do you think you'll handle germs, people, handshakes, interactions better once this is over? Differently, not necessarily better. Uh- if history is any suggestion or any anything to call back on, uh, in two years I'll be back to washing my. I'll be back to doing exactly what I do when I go to a public restroom. I'll go and stand at the water faucet uh, just long enough to where people can't judge me, and then I'll move back on. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think society just reverts after a while. People have such short attention spans. I, you, you just you forget about stuff. I mean, like you said, I mean, I know a lot of people did, but I mean, you you had the swine flu back in the day. I did. Survivor, please. Yeah, sorry. Of course. Pandemic survivor. Do you have any guests Actually, on, uh, on today? What are you doing? So today uh, on Jeff's show, we have your friend and mine, Dennis Dodd. Oh, um, oh yes. Oh, truther. Yeah. So, Holding out so, for a hero. Yeah. You should play I mean, that song listen, coming in. Uh, Holding out for a hero, or do you want me to go like Dave Grohl? Like, like I kind of want Dennis to have a big, grand walkout. You know, just have those Grohl just absolutely smashing the crap out of those drums and then just rip into my hero yeah that would work too just make sure dennis knows that i was thinking of him <laughs> i'll make sure to let him know he's so brave courageous hey speaking of i think 40 wrote something today oh yeah what do you write i, I, I just saw that he actually wrote sounds like ah, i can't wait to not read that <laughs> <laughs> you have a hard time topping that 230 slot yesterday that's all i can tell you it's gonna be really difficult to beat that neil you know this as well as I do, and you'll never admit it. So I'll tell your audience for you. You put asses in seats, buddy. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> you put uh, asses in seats. Uh, enjoy your day, bud. We'll talk to you. All right, guys. All right, bye. <clears throat> was Jeffrey Wright on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline? We're gonna we're gonna talk mortgages, mortgages in a few minutes. We'll uh, we'll do that with Jason. A lot of questions, honestly, about how interest rates have uh, have fallen. But does that really affect mortgages? Are mortgage rates potentially in trouble because of unemployment coming out? A lot of different stuff. So we'll get to a couple minutes with uh, with him coming up on the show very very uh, very soon. I will tell you a few updates about Special Orthopedic Group. Again, Tupelo and Oxford locations remain open. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at those two locations. They're offering virtual health telemedicine right now as well. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24-hour access to appointments. All you got to do is call 662-767-4200 or SOGMS.com. No referrals even needed. Walk-ins welcome right now with SOG. We've got to get out of one document and into another. The podcast also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. Uh, Grenada Nissan located just off Interstate 55 in Grenada, Mississippi. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. The podcast is also brought to you by our friends at... Um, Dead Soxie. Dead Soxie knows these are uncertain times. They understand that uh, oftentimes advertisers do everything imaginable to garner your attention away from the worries of the world. They're not trying to do that here. They're, they're no tricks, no gimmicks. They just want you to be comfortable right down to the socks that you're wearing. Go to Rebel Grove. Go to uh, DeadSoxie.com. Enter the promo code Rebel Grove at checkout. You get 30% off all orders. They've got some uh, really cool things planned here soon for people who have uh, maybe not uh, I tried Dead Soxy. They have some prices where you can completely redo your wardrobe with Dead Soxy for uh, incredibly affordable prices. So stay safe, stay Soxy. Thanks to Dead Soxy. We're also brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with the Nest and Wild mattress. Nest and Wild is a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild is one foot thick. Gives you comfort and support that will last. A lot of online brands sell an 8-inch or 10-inch mattress with full with less support, durability, but not Nest & Wild. From the twin size to the California King, every Nest & Wild mattress is one foot thick, 100% American-made. The pricing's competitive when compared to the rest of the mattress company, and we'll throw in a podcast discount that makes it that much better. Go to nestandwild.com, enter the promo code REBEL20, that's REBEL20, get 20% off your purchase your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. I mentioned that we have a Mind on My Money podcast up. That is brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. It's based in Madison, Mississippi, but they've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and so much more. At Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. 
It's not what the cookie cutter financial planners do. They put you in a box. Pinnacle Trust builds a box just for you. To learn more, go to pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fee. Podcast also brought to you by Visit Oxford. Visit OxfordMS.com. Go to the website. You can uh, visit Oxford virtually during COVID-19. They care about your health and stay healthy and start planning your next visit when this uh, does pass. Again, double-decker set for uh, for mid-August. As of now, you can figure out how to support Oxford in COVID-19 by going to the link at the very top of the page on the website. You can see some different resources, different ways to uh, either get a curbside and delivery services or to, uh, to help citizens also. So again, visit Oxford ms.com for that let's uh let's talk about the mortgage business for a minute so if you're in a live stream just uh hang out for a second be right back with uh jason Lowe. jason good morning appreciate the uh the time to talk uh mortgage rates a little bit i guess we'll start with the question that i assume you get more than any other is when they talk about uh Fed rates, they talk about treasury markets, all these things. Hey, what actually lowers or raises a mortgage rate? And for most people, it's not necessarily tied to anything that they think it is, right? Uh, yes, Chase, that's correct. Good morning, Neil. Um, hey, Jason. Well, when people see, of course, we, we get that the call as soon as people see that the Fed funds has dropped their rates. You know, people all you automatically get that call. Hey, I see the Fed has dropped rates. What does that do for me? Well, in reality, it does nothing for you. Point. Um, mortgage-backed securities are really more tied to the ten-year Treasury market. So, what I always tell people is, if you want to sort of monitor mortgage rates, you need to monitor what the ten-year Treasury. Um, that has been in my seventeen years in this business. That's been the standard to kind of monitor that. You know, there's days here and there where it's not the case. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. And uh, that, so you typically get that. Well, that hasn't necessarily even been the case recently. Uh, we, we've hit all-time lows in rates uh, in the last couple of weeks, and then they've kind of crept back up, even as the 10-year Treasury and mortgage-backed security market has climbed. So uh, to answer your question, what I would tell people is the Fed funds rate has very, very little to do with mortgage-backed securities. That is going to be more tied to home equity lines of credit, Credit cards, auto loans, and even sometimes what we what we get in our world called in-house mortgages, which would be a mortgage that a that a local bank would do for you, kind of like an Oxford University would, versus what we do in the secondary market. What is what's your what's your job been like? I mean, I guess you kind of work behind or ahead a little bit, but I mean, with everything going on with the with the market and and everything as it is right now, what's that done to your business in the last ten days or so? Well, I'll tell you this, Chase. We are um, my company is is, um, is a pretty large company from a mortgage standpoint. We are looking at April numbers right now being almost double our largest month of all time. Um, now, granted, that's tip, that's a lot of that is the refinance business. You know, we are uh, we are as busy as you can be, and I would imagine most mortgage companies are, but. What's surprising to us is that in the Oxford market, what we're seeing here is that the purchase volume is up almost 30% year to date over where it was last year from for the months of March and April. I'm not going back into January and February, but our mortgage applications for purchase business are up almost 30% over last year's mortgage applications at the same time. So it's not just refinance business, although that is a obviously the large part of it right now. I mean, we're working 50, 60 hours a week right now. Um, we're blessed to have that, of course, in this current environment. We're certainly blessed, but it's as busy as I've ever been in my 17 years in the business. Well, you know where I live, and I can tell you that the uh, new construction has not slowed down over the past two weeks, not even a little bit. Yeah, where you you know passing your house as you go down there to the back, Neil. It's um, called the. This is called the Speedway, well by the way. Uh, it, this is this is uh, <laughs> this is the Oxford Speedway. Even with it's the most amazing thing, and and I won't derail the the interview. I promise. The the most amazing thing about the Speedway is that even with speed bumps, there are a lot of people that there is no such thing as deceleration. It's just vroom. You you hear the. Like Chase has heard it, you hear the sounds of some of the trucks going over the speed bumps at 55, 60 miles an hour. 
and it sounds like a right. bomb went off. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, and and to 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 talk to your point there through the back of your neighborhood, you know, we've taken. I've got three purchase applications that I've taken in the last month that are new construction in that area in that one specific neighborhood. That doesn't include two or three of the other new developments in town that are in the same boat that, I mean, as quick as they can build them, as quick as they can build them, they're going under contract. And uh, that is obviously, that is mostly a primary residence. So it's going to be 90% primary residence stuff, not second home condos, which when people think of Oxford, that's what they think of. Uh, it's just, as you guys both know, the town is growing tremendously. I mean, you see it in our schools, you see it on in traffic, you see it around town. It's just the town is just exploding with growth right now. Unemployment hitting 3.28 million today. Uh, any what, what is the expectation from a from a market standpoint to that? Well, you know, most of these things like that. I mean, obviously, these things are. We knew that was coming. You know, nobody knew the exact number, but that was coming. So those things are typically pre-baked into, you know, the market. That's why, you know, you see a number like that, and typically your Dow or your, your S&P and NASDAQ would tank. And today, you know, Dow futures are were 300. I think it's up 400 now, you know. Um, those things are kind of pre-baked into the numbers. Where you're going to see that is even moving forward. It's, it's only going to grow, um, and especially when you look at – Basically, you know, operations, retail operations, restaurants, especially in your large markets, your New Yorks, your Boston's, your L.A.'s that drive so many of the national numbers. I mean, the places are just they're, they're shut down. Right. So although we see the impact and feel it here locally, those big markets are what drive the overall numbers in regards to, you know, what we see with these unemployment numbers. I, I read something this morning that um in uh in new york alone there were over one in new york city alone let me rephrase that there were over one million applications for unemployment many of those which were not hit until next week's numbers because of the numbers are reported so if you know i think we're looking at you know and this is just an opinion i think we're looking at a you know probably over the next two to three weeks probably 25 million ish, maybe 30 million unemployment files, new new unemployment applications. And uh, yeah, I think you could probably expect the unemployment rate to be nine and a half, ten percent by the end of April. That's that's kind of what the experts are saying, you know, uh, is what we can expect on a national level here over the next 30 to 45 days. Something that maybe is the biggest deal uh, that I wanted to ask you about today for, for for most people right now, especially people that you mentioned that are that, that are already affected by this, is that services appear to be encouraged to allow some semblance of a forbearance. Where, where are kind of people sitting with that as far as their mortgages are concerned right now? Right. Well, and I'll, let me start by explaining the difference in what a servicer is. So when you do a mortgage with someone, whether it be me or Renaissance or Regent, who who are Bank of America, whoever it is, we originate your mortgage. We do all that. Then what we do after we close those mortgages is we sell them on the secondary market, right? These are what creates a mortgage-backed security market. So we, let's say we originate your mortgage and we sell it to Wells Fargo. Well, Wells Fargo services your mortgage. They don't own the paper. They turn around and sell that paper off on the secondary. Fannie and Freddie are guaranteeing that mortgage. There's, are, there's REITs out there and things like that that own that paper. Wells Fargo is strictly the servicer of your mortgage. They get paid a fee by the end investor to service it, to collect your payments, pay your taxes, call you if you're late, to handle that side of things. Well, the servicers are the ones that are being reached, or Fannie and Freddie are suggesting to the servicers, hey, let's work on this forbearance. Well, that's, that sounds great in theory. But the servicers are the ones eating the money there. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not an unlimited supply of money, right? I mean, at some point, there's only so much they can do that with. So what what we are in our world, what in my business, we're hoping is that there'll be, you know, after this initial stimulus package comes out, the federal government's going to have to do something to help the servicers or they won't make it. I mean, that's just the reality because... If you have 30 million people on an unemployment start filing forbearance, well, they're not going to be the only ones. 
uh, people that are maybe not filing for unemployment, but maybe funds have cut, maybe their salary's been cut. There's going to be a lot of that happen as well. And if the servicers fail, then this whole thing falls apart. And so I suspect you will see the federal government step in even more at some point in relation to that. But in, in saying that, what I would tell you is if you've lost your job, if your income has been cut, if your spouse has lost a job, call your servicer, okay? Explain to them your situation. Fannie and Freddie are really pushing for, for these servicers to give some sort of a forbearance up to 12 months. That doesn't mean you'll get 12 months. It may mean three months. It may mean six. It'll probably be a negotiation with you and them over the time frame. But if you're in that position and, and you're worried about losing your home here, you know, there's nothing wrong. There's no shame in picking the phone up and calling your servicer and asking for that type of forbearance because they're being encouraged to work with you on that in lieu of potentially losing your home over the next six to 12 months. Kind of last thing uh, before we let you go. Appreciate the time. Where, <laughs> where, where are things sitting right now from, you know, jumbo loans, investment property financing, that type of thing? Right. Well, those markets, quite frankly, have basically died over the last week and a half. Um, jumbo investors, you have your big banks that are still somewhat doing them, but most of your jumbo investors, those are what's called non-QM, non-government-backed non mortgages. So when somebody originates that mortgage and it's with Wells Fargo or U.S. Bank or whoever, they actually do hold that paper. So there's a lot of risk involved in that. So you're seeing that on the, on the jumbo side. On the investor side, what you're seeing is that although those are typically, if people are doing conventional mortgages, those can be backed by Fannie and Freddie. Fannie and Freddie is really worried about the risk on that side of that right now. And what they've done is they've made the pricing model on that be so bad that it makes no sense to do them, where typically you might have a three-quarter of a point spread between a primary residence and a and an investment property from a rate standpoint, that right now is two to two and a half points. So, you know, you're talking investment rates as high as 6% and you're having to pay two or three points to get that. So it's really almost, I'm, I'm not going to say it's dead, but it's basically dead at those numbers there where, you know, today you can get 3.375, three and a half on a 30 year fixed on your primary residence, you're at 6% on a second home, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, on an investment property. So mm -hmm. that's what you're seeing in that market right now. And in the jumbo market, it's going to be interesting really to see where that goes as investors literally shut their doors. You're going to have investors literally, there's already a few that have done so that basically close shop because they just can't, they have no liquidity to take on any more they have no liquidity to take on any more mortgages at this point. So uh, for all intents and purposes, they're dead. Yeah. Is it, I have a very important question. Is it too early to start drinking? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I can tell you this. I was telling a buddy of mine this yesterday. I was like, you know, I, with all, with all this quarantine stuff, I, I would, I've talked to so many friends that, you know, who would get home, go to work, they'd fix dinner and start it. And they'd pour them a drink at six o'clock. Those same people are now, because they're home with their kids, basically homeschooling them, are drinking at 12 o'clock. I told my wife the other day, I said, if this doesn't stop, I'm not going to run. Chase can verify this. I'm not going to run out of bourbon and wine at my house, but I may put on 40 pounds drinking all of it. So, But to answer your question, Neil, it's never too early to pour a drink, not especially with what's going on in the world today. So, Appreciate it, bud. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, guys. Right. See you, buddy. Appreciate Jason's time there. Looks like our internet held up pretty good too. That was a good sign. Uh, sorry, I was distracted. I don't know who this is. This Heidi. Do what? I was I was reading a internet thread from Heidi Sheerholtz. I think is how you would say her name. She's the director of policy at Economic Policy, former chief economist at the U.S. Department Labor, U.S. Department of Labor, and it was whoa. It opens up with brace yourself. I've been a labor economist for a very long time, but I've never seen anything like this. Here are last week's initial unemployment insurance claims. It's the first of of a long thread. It's uh, 
where you realize that you don't you don't understand a lot of things that it's easy for people like that to speak above your head you know what i mean mm-hmm. but you can tell just by the tone that it's not good I wonder how many people, Avery makes a good point in the live thread, I wonder how many people are going to become alcoholics. <laughs> become now because yeah. of this. Just with the drinking just goes from being, you know, it goes from, hey, I'm enjoying a nice drink to, hey, I'm coping. Yeah. To, hey, I'm dependent. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break, tell you about Tyson Drugs and G&M Pharmacy, G&M right there on South Lamar and Oxford. But the more important thing, they deliver local in the Oxford area to your home or workplace. So I'm basically home right now. So take advantage of that. That's the that's the thing. And if you do have to get out, they offer MedSync to fill a prescription once per month. So uh, they're going to stay open. Pharmacies will stay open no matter what our shutdown level is. So uh, appreciate them and take advantage of that again. 662-236-2222 to find out more. The uh, podcast is also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Been saying this for a while. It's true. This will eventually end. I mean, this this will pass at some point, hopefully soon. When it does, people are going to uh, want to get out of their homes. They're going to want to take a break. They're going to want to recharge. They're going to want to get away. And uh, there will be a lot of deals out there, a lot of bargains that will be available. The uh, travel industry has been uh, decimated to a degree. They will be uh, looking to get back on their feet as well, and everybody helps everybody, and you can benefit. And one of the things I would recommend that you do is get in touch with John. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows him to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. What you do is you give him a call. I mean, goodness, you have time now. Give him a call. Give him some parameters. Give him an idea on a budget, time frame, that kind of thing, and let him give you some options. You don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email at jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. And we're brought to you by Oxford University Bank. OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, all with the personal touch. When you call OUB, you speak directly with the live person, no 10 buttons, no five-minute wait. What you do get is Kasasa. It's the absolute best cash checking account. With Kasasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. They also offer online bill pay and mobile check deposit using their online app. To learn more, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. Um, we're going to hit a couple other topics here, but on a much more uh, personal note, it appears to be at least kind of public on Facebook and things. Thoughts more with David Johnson, who has yeah. uh, who is suffering from coronavirus in the uh, the Oxford Hospital right now. Reading that uh, last night was put on a ventilator, uh, moved to ICU. I've been told by some people that it was somewhat of a precautionary measure, that just having trouble breathing, trying to do anything to uh, to relax his lungs, give his lungs a chance to uh, to improve and repair themselves. So. Uh, thoughts with him i'm kind of reading that again trying to be careful to not say too much but that is uh that is out publicly in a couple places so so thoughts with him right now i had dm'd with him on uh tuesday afternoon was today thursday i was so 36 or so hours ago and he'd said uh i feel like i'm beating it today for the first time so obviously took some form of a setback and i'm with you completely uh david is as nice a guy as you'll meet um very funny guy very smart he uh yeah, we we're all thinking of him. So just there kind of frankly it's kind of distracting distracting me as I was getting a little information there as I was uh listening to Jason there at the end. Sometimes um, the ventilators just let you rest. It, so it, it it's not it, it's not necessarily There are levels of right. what that means. That's right. what I said. That's what I was trying to point out is that it's it's at this moment I don't think it's as critical as it sounds. Right. Hope, you know, obviously. So Sometimes that just allows the patient if you're fighting to breathe, mm-hmm. if you're fighting to breathe, the rest of your body, what I've read about from medical people who I, I'm going to trust here, when you're fighting to breathe like that, the rest of your body can go into some degree of trauma slash shock a little bit. And so the, the reason the ventilators are so critical, it's not always necessarily for the 
absolute most critical patients, you want to make sure you have them so people can, it kind of lets the, the body rest a little bit. It does some of the work for you, lets you sort of, uh, lets the rest of the body sort of catch up. So on something that does not matter whatsoever, as we're in kind of the uh, the last segment of the podcast, simulated those last four football games yesterday. <laughs> Again, it does not matter. There's no segue. I'm just I'm reading through stuff. We're yeah. just getting through an interview right now. It is what it is. Uh, in those, the uh, the other teams to advance to the Elite Eight are um, we had the f- number 15 seed 2007 team, the final Ed Orgeron team that lost the state. They faced the number two seed, the 2014 Ole Miss team that went to the Peach Bowl. Yeah, um, It went scratch as you would expect. Uh, the 2014 team won 45-3 to in this one. Um, Joshua Sheen did put the 2007 Rebels up with a 38-yard field goal in his opening drive and that, oh. was, uh, that was about it. Jalen Walton is having one hell of a tournament for every team he's on, by the way. He, uh, he scored a couple touchdowns. Bo Wallace was 20 of 26 for 285 and a couple scores and uh, Seth Adams threw three interceptions in the loss for uh, the 07 team so 45 to 3 they move on to the Elite Eight and they will play the 2016 team the final Hugh Freeze team the Chad Kelly led team um, again for the most part everybody's healthy in these simulations right. so um they did survive a scare though they played that 2018 team with Jordan Tamu and the uh, the Rebels they uh, they won 49-45 in that one. So That's high kind scoring, of a typical 40, loss for that team. Yeah, 49-45 in that one. Chad Kelly threw five touchdown passes. Um, Akeem Judd ran in a couple. Jordan Tamu went for 363-3 and three in the loss. So uh, a lot of points. Scotty Phillips went for 144-2. and two. Um, So Phil Longo's offense worked. Oh, West, Wesley McGriff's defense did not. I, we're all stunned here, aren't we, as we, uh, as we move through this thing. Uh, so that's one That's one Elite Eight matchup. And then the uh, and the other one of the ones I ran, the uh, 2010 team played the uh, 2013 team. I thought this had a chance to be competitive. This is the Music City Bowl team against Jeremiah Masoli. Yeah. Um, it stayed at scratch, though. The 6 seed 2013 team, they won 30-21 to in this one. So uh, the 2010 team had a lead going into the fourth quarter, but um, a Bo Wallace touchdown, a uh, a field goal, they uh, ended up pulling out 30-21. to It's in, kind of a moral uh, victory for that 2010 team. Is it? Houston was big on moral victories. Yeah. 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 So – they um let's see who will they face in the other one they will face the 2008 team they play were the number three seed they played the 2000 or the number 14 seed the 2006 Ole Miss team the second Ed Orgeron team so you've got 2008 against 2006 and a lot of improvement happened in two seasons the 2008 team wins that one 50 to 7 yeah in uh in this one they uh, the Cotton Ball champions. They led twenty seven to nothing before Ben Jarvis Green Ellis did get uh, the two thousand six team on the board. But uh, Jevin was quite efficient, sixteen of twenty three for two sixty eight and four. McCluster ran for one twenty two on only twelve carries. Shea Hodge had one hundred sixteen yards receiving, and uh, they blew them out. So the two thousand eight team will now face the two thousand thirteen team in a uh, in an elite eight matchup, which is where we uh where we are right now. So you know, fun and games and, and giggles. It's all uh, it's all good. Um, baseball is doing all this this games of history stuff today for opening day. Are, do you have any interest in any of these, or is this one of those where hey, you got to put something on? I give them credit for the creativity, but I have no actual desire to watch anything. I might look at some of it. I watched uh, I watched actually two games of the nineteen eighty eight NBA Finals yesterday. Forgot how good a series that was. Really good. Pistons Lakers. Mm-hmm. The Isaiah Thomas sprained ankle game. Um, I watched that. And it was it was entertaining. I don't know. I mean, I I, I miss sports. I don't. I'm not like dying. I I, I'm, I miss sports. I, I miss sports being on in the background. So maybe I'll turn on some games. Today would have been an exciting day. I would have been. I would have been pumped about opening day. I would have interested in seeing the reds today i would have been interested in obviously cubs brewers this afternoon i would have turned a game on tonight there would have been a spring practice today i would have come home and 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 written about spring practice with the baseball game on in the background so yeah you know i i sure i miss i i'm able to keep it in perspective um you've been interested in the angels with joe madden oh absolutely Yeah. yeah 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 no i probably was going to become 
kind of an American League late night team there for you a little bit. Huh? Yeah, I probably was become to some degree an Angels fan. I like Joe Madden. I, I, I will forever appreciate what Joe Madden did in Chicago for uh, for the Cubs, and um, you know they've got Tommy Listella on that team, and and so yeah, I mean you know I would have Carson loved Shohei Otani and. We would have, we would have. I probably would have watched a lot of Angels baseball. Maybe, maybe we'll still get it, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still hopeful, and I mean, I still, I still hold out this hope that at some point in June, the NBA resumes, the NHL resumes, Major League Baseball gets started sometime in maybe late June. The the college players can report to campus and safely kind of start to get acclimated. That is a concern I have. Uh, I worry about the players getting to the different campuses and not having enough time to just kind of get themselves ready to go. And we have some heat related issues in in the in the in August. Mm-hmm. That that concerns me a little bit. I've heard other people say it concerns them as well. So I'm not just worrying. I'm not just kind of whistling past the graveyard there. I, I, I hope I, I'm hopeful all that stuff works out because if that's the case. Our collective mood is going to be so much better by then. I mean, I you know, if if all of that happens, it'll be a Fourth of July that everyone will be pretty joyful about. Yeah. So I uh, I see where Ole Miss is doing this restaurant bracket thing. I've got major issues, but that's for another day. We'll tease that for I uh, saw that for for, for later. We got major problems. Well, uh, up and down the bracket. So blind pig's not in it. Uh, Tarask isn't in it. Yes, I've never been there, but I've heard it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's lots of problems. And they put the library in it. Well, the library is an eight seed ahead of maybe like some an, another one that made a lot of sense. Like I'd like snack bars like a nine or a six or something. Yeah, and yeah how snack bar a nine seed? Well, because I think it was Dylan that said on Twitter the library. If we're talking about places people just go, or we're talking about food, they should be like the number one overall seed or not in the tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they, depending on what we're doing here, what is our? They don't serve that? food, really. Yeah, like Hawaii Pokey was a three seed in this thing. Like we got, we got I've never even heard of that place. It's 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 fine. It's whatever. But yeah, just it, it it's stuff. I got I got, I got problems. Might, might might do that uh, one day. We we have time. There are t- there is time around around here right now to uh. To oh yeah. Oh, still space. So, um, appreciate Jeffrey. Appreciate Jason coming on. Uh, giving a little information there. We'll uh, let you know about our schedule as we uh, move forward. But a lot of MPW Digital uh, offerings either with you or coming your way here soon. So, Web, uh, th- thank you very much. That was very nice of you. Um, appreciate that a be lot. S- be safe, and we'll talk to you again.